What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to another episode of Parking the Bus. It is episode 88 tonight. I'm back at home. I'm back in my basement studio here. You see all of the uh, familiar surroundings. Um, it, it is Friday night, and I'm here to talk some footy. We got a lot to talk about tonight. I'm not going to get to everything I wanted to talk about this week. Um, so there will be more content coming this weekend. Um I have to, in a moment, I'll get to my, my first stop on my summer stadium tour. But um, what will not fit in tonight's episode, I'm going to drop tomorrow. Uh, that's going to be Liga Brasileiro. That's going to be Copa Libertadores. Okay, and I'll even run down some scores in the early rounds of the UEFA Champions League prelims and the Europa League prelims as well. I'll get to that. Plus, don't forget now, we are in to UEFA Women's Euro 2022. So tonight, before I leave, we will talk about the first four matches of the UEFA Euro 2022, okay? Four matches have been played, and um, I think the tournament's off to a bang and start. Um, I'm so excited for this tournament. I've talked about it. I've played it up a little bit. Uh, the day is here. I mean, it comes in the midst of some real fixture congestion. When you cover football in, in North America, in South America, they're playing right now. Um, it adds a little bit to it, but it's still going to get the respect it deserves here on this show, on this airwaves. Hello, everybody watching on YouTube right now, watching on Twitter or watching on Facebook. No, I am not live. Don't go in the chat and ask me questions or expect uh, a response. I am not live right now. You guys know I wake up at two o'clock in the morning every day. So there's no way I am live streaming at 9 p.m. at night. Okay. Um, this is pre recorded. I'm sorry. It's pre recorded. I'll try to go live on a Sunday night. That's my plan right now. I will try to go live um, on weekends going forward to try to get some more engagement because some of y'all have asked for that. I know you've asked for the engagement. Um, so I'm going to try to do some of that. But I've got women's Euro 2020, uh, Euro 2022 coverage per basically every night, okay? Um, I may not get to it every night. I may have to do every other night and cover two days worth of matches. Not sure yet what the schedule will allow. Plus, it's coinciding with this stadium tour that I'm doing, and I'll be on the road again uh, later this month. So, um, yeah, let's talk about that for a minute then let's talk about uh the stadium tour let's talk about the first leg of the stadium tour the bronx new york new york city fc and atlanta united first things first shout out to the crew shout out to the staff at yankee stadium at the la quinta inn in stanford connecticut at the stanford diner at the hard rock cafe uh shout out to all the new york city fc fans out there y'all were were awesome hosts. I mean, you guys made uh, my son's first live match a dream come true for him, and I w will be thankful forever for that. Um, I want to thank everybody who allowed my son to hand you my business card. Um, yeah, I used him a little bit for that. What do you, what can I say? Going around the outside of the stadium handing out my business card. Trying to get more eyeballs and more ears to this show. So if you are watching right now, go over to the PTB Media Network's YouTube page. Hit the subscribe button right down there. Okay. Subscribe to the Parking the Bus uh, podcast on the PTB Media Network. If you're listening on the podcast, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, wherever you're listening, 
hit that subscribe button. Hit the five uh, star button if you can. Let's get this show out to more people. I got to get the visibility. I'm working hard. I'm getting out there. Uh, I'm hitting the streets. I'm handing out business cards. I'm trying to get my name out there. You guys can help me. If you could, I greatly appreciate you sharing the show, rating the show, uh, leaving you know a killer comment. And um, again, New York City FC fans, thank you. You guys are awesome. I don't care what anyone says about New York City FC fans. I was treated and my son was treated to an absolutely phenomenal experience at Yankee Stadium last weekend. Okay, speaking of that, let's go right into Major League Soccer then, why don't we, and run down the results from last weekend. And I haven't talked about the U.S. Open Cup yet either on this uh, on this show, and we're down to the semifinals. And I meant to talk about it last week, but the episode, the mini episode I put out on Sunday was very, very rushed. I was in a hotel room with a six-year-old <laughs> that wanted to do something else. So uh, I had to keep him entertained. I really ran through it. I didn't get to do everything I had on my list to do and to say. So I didn't get into the U.S. Open Cup last week, but uh, we are at the semifinal stage. I should start there, I think, with the U.S. Open Cup semifinals. So I'm going to pull this up right now because uh they played back in june but i've got one uh, all i gotta do is pull up one of the last four teams so i can pull up uh the fixture list as it stands now in the u.s open cup and i happen to pull up the new york red bulls okay so we'll go to that and i will run down the quarterfinal results okay as they happened the quarterfinals were played back at the end of June, to be exact. June 21st, 22nd, and 29 were the three dates that these matches were played. June 21st, the first one, was the upset, the biggest one. Nobody saw this coming, unless you're Hercules Gomez on ESPN. Shout out to Herc. He got this one right. He called it. LA Galaxy 1, Sacramento Republic of the USL 2, Sacramento Republic Move on to the semifinals. They are the last standing non-MLS team. They already were, kind of. Um, well, I shouldn't say that because there was one other non-MLS team in this round as well. But Sacramento Republic knock out the LA Galaxy and the Sacramento Republic semifinalists in the U.S. Open Cup. The Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup, that is, of course. And... This is what cup football is all about. Lower league teams knocking out top league opposition. Okay. I'm going to go into this one for just a minute here. Um, the goals here were scored starting off. And actually, fairness to Sacramento Republic, they scored all three of these goals. Uh, LA Galaxy took the lead in the 18th minute on a Connor Donovan own goal. No, excuse me. Rodrigo Lopez of Sacramento Republic took the lead, gave the lead to uh, the USL side with a fourth-minute goal. In the 18th, the Galaxy pulled level on a Connor Donovan own goal. Went into halftime 1-1. This match was played at... This match was played... I'm assuming it was at the Galaxy Stadium. The problem with cup competition sometimes on these apps is the information goes missing. Um, it was 1-1 in the second half, though. 
20 minutes from time in the 70th minute, Luis Fernandez of Sacramento Republic pulls the USL side ahead 2-1. to one. They hold on. This is one of the big upsets. Um, and they're in the semifinals. The last standing non-MLS side in the U.S. Open Cup. This support, this competition is incredibly important to clubs outside of MLS. Okay, I've heard this competition be disrespected. I've heard this competition be mocked, Okay, saying it's no good. This competition has over 100 years of history in it. And it deserves to be respected. And Major League Soccer teams should not be sending out reserve squads in the semifinals. LA Galaxy got what they deserve here. Okay, I'm going to look at the lineup real quick. Here is who came out for the LA Galaxy. Jonathan Klinsman in goal, the son of Jurgen Klinsman. He's not the normal goalkeeper. You got to think about that a little bit. This is a semifinal, a chance to get to a final. You win that final and you have a spot in CONCACAF Champions League next year. When are MLS clubs going to get it through their skulls that these things matter? That playing continental football matters. That taking on teams from Mexico matters. Teams from Costa Rica, teams from Canada, that matters. It's not just about the games that fall on the MLS fixture list. It's not all about just getting into the playoffs. I hate when these teams treat this so much like other uh, North American sports leagues, okay? We've heard rumors that the NBA is going to start their own cup competition. I don't know if you've heard that, but I've heard it. Um, it's been it's been making its way around the sports business uh, podcasts, journals, papers that uh, David Silver of the NBA wants to start a, an in-season cup competition. He's not exactly calling it that, but that's what it is. Okay. These cup competitions need to be taken more seriously. The Galaxy go 4-4-2. And at right back, they got Kelvin uh, Leard, Leardam, Dupuy and Williams at center back, and Edwards is the left back. These are all second. There's a lot of second choice players here. Alvarez, Rebelson, Aguirre, and Grandsir in the midfield with Jovalich and Cabral in the attack. This isn't going to cut it in a semifinal. I'm sorry. Let's look at their bench for a moment. Okay. We'll look at the bench for for the Galaxy. On the bench, you got Bond, Arujo, uh, Kobayi, Zavaleta, Vasquez, Harvey, Her Chicharito Hernandez on the bench in a semifinal. What disrespect? What do you expect out of a USL team? Now, first of all, newsflash. The level of play and level of ability between MLS and USL is not that different, especially when you put your second choice team out there. LA Galaxy not even taking advantage of the depth they have. Why? To save up to save points on the weekend? Be you can't come in one of the top seven places in your conference to qualify for the playoffs. You're going to sacrifice a cup semifinal for a point or two on the weekend. This mentality's just got to get broken. This country. I talked, uh, and you're going to see it tomorrow. Actually, on Saturday, Saturday, July the 9th, 3 p.m. Eastern time, on the PTB Media Network's YouTube channel, I am premiering. 
my first short film, the first PTB media film ever made. And it's it's documenting last week, last Sunday's trip and last Sunday's experience at uh, Yankee Stadium. And there's a part in the film where I talk about, or the video, there's a part in the video where I talk about the history of our game of football, the beautiful game at Yankee Stadium. And, you know, I wish I could have, I wish I had made it a little longer, to be honest. I wish I'd talk more about just the general history of Yankee Stadium. Obviously, the current Yankee Stadium and the, the past Yankee Stadium, the old one. But the U.S. Open Cup has such a history in this country, okay? And I talk about the U.S. Open Cup in 1931 in that video because it has a special significance with Yankee Stadium. So tune in to see that. And these MLS teams just throw it away every season. They just throw it away, what, for a couple of points on the weekend. Ask your fans. Ask your supporters, your diehards, not your casuals. My biggest qualm with Major League Soccer today is this focus on the casual fans. This is comes straight out of the NFL. This comes straight out of the NBA. And it doesn't work in this sport. There's too much competition. The NFL doesn't have a rival league. The NBA doesn't have a rival league in that sport, okay? On any given Saturday in America, even in the summer when the European leagues are off, there's a plethora of options to watch football on television. You got Mexico, you got South America, tons of football going on right now. Not to mention women's football, which has its audience too. And you know what? And is doing a good job at growing that audience, both in the United States and in Europe. Case in point with the women's Euro. But Major League Soccer's owners... This is specifically to the owners. Think so much about the casual fan. And it's not, I shouldn't say just the owners, because the owners may be a little more forward thinking. But the media covering this league, the, the legacy media that covers this team, excuse me, the legacy media can't see past the league competition. They it's too much for their brain or for their understanding to have concurrent competitions going on in the same season. Why is there no pressure and no criticism on LA Galaxy for this? Not just LA Galaxy, every other MLS club that's already been eliminated. Listen, I know there are teams in this league that look to get out of this competition as soon as they can. And they, they don't want a deep run. I understand it's not that financially uh, rewarding, but damn, it's a cup. You, you're playing for a 100-plus-year-old cup. It transcends, it's outlasted all of the leagues, the ASL, the NASL, Major League Soccer, the USL, the A-League, you name it. It has passed them all. It has outlived them all. Okay, many, many leagues have come and many have folded. The U.S. Open Cup, the Dwar Cup, as it was called, or the National Challenge Cup, as it was called, has maintained and has stayed alive. It has, it has earned its place, and it has earned its respect with the football culture in this country. So Galaxy put out a team like that. They lose. Good. They should lose. 
Congratulations, Sacramento Republic. They moved to the semifinals. Who are they going to play? Well, their opponents, Sporting Kansas City. They get they met the other non-MLS team, Union Omaha. Union, uh, Union Omaha with a large, and the people around Sporting KC are saying the largest ever traveling contingent to go to Children's Mercy Park in Kansas City. Unfortunately, it was just the occasion was just too big for Union Omaha. Sporting Kansas City went 6 0. They advance and they will host uh, Sacramento Republic in the semifinals. And the other two semi, the other two quarterfinals, it was the Hudson River Derby on Wednesday, the 22nd at Red Bull Arena. And it was New York Red Bulls 3, New York City FC 0. Let's take a look at the lineups here as the Red Bulls came out with Carlos Miguel in goal. They went with Thomas Edwards at right back, Aaron Long, and Sean Nalis at the, as the center back pairing, while John Tolkien, the 19-year-old, gets the start at left back. Again, not necessarily playing their top sides. Their top side, I should say. Caceres and Amaya play in the double pivot in midfield for the Red Bulls behind the attacker, the attacking midfielders of Dylan Nilas, Luquinez, and the number 10, Lewis Morgan. And they're playing behind the striker, Tom Barlow. Okay. Again, not household names here. However, the Red Bulls take care of business. The Red Bulls have the depth here. And when you look at the New York City FC lineup, okay, they went with the backup goalkeeper. Every It's the trend now in football all around the world. It drives me nuts with my club. It drives me nuts when I see it. It cost Manchester City the FA Cup because they love to play the backup in the cup competition. And Luis Barraza gets the start for New York City in this one. All right. Uh, Chanel and Collins do get the start. Ironically, you know, ironically, NYCFC puts out closer to a full lineup. It just didn't go their way on this one. Uh, the right back, the right back is Tavon Gray. The left back is Malte Amundsen with, like I said, Chano and Kayan Collins in the center of, of midfield. My boy Keaton Parks, former Benfica player, gets the start in the double pivot along with Alfredo Morales. While in front of them, you've got Gabriel Pereira on the right. You've got Santiago Rodriguez in the number 10 position and Tiago playing down the left behind the striker. Tati Castellanos as the PA announcer at Yankee Stadium called him. But this was this team should have been better. I've seen some a lot of these players up close and personal now. This New York City FC team, they could not have been motivated that night. I'm not gonna I didn't see this match, okay? The US Open Cup 
Happens on weeknights, happens at night. Um, I will be watching and recording the semifinals in the final, obviously. But I didn't get to see this match. I saw highlights after. So I don't necessarily have the explanation as to what happened to New York City FC here. But it is the Red Bulls winning 3-0. And the Red Bulls move to the semifinals. And they're going to go on the road in the semifinals. They're going to meet Orlando City SC, who got by... Nashville SC on penalties. Okay, so uh, Hani Mukhtar put Nashville ahead in this match was played in Orlando. And then in the 90th, plus four, Rodrigo Adrian Schlegel equalizes for Orlando City and sends the match to extra time. Sean Davis sees his second yellow and he is sent off, forcing Nashville to play with 10 men. In the extra time, they hang on to get the penalties, but in the end, it is in the end it is Orlando City that will advance to the semifinals. Now there was a draw live on Football Americas on ESPN. Okay, on ESPN Plus, excuse me. They had the live draw. Uh, um, Hercules Gomez uh, was there with. Um, now his name's escaping me. The guy from. ESPN FC, who I cannot stand, the Venezuelan guy, but uh, um, former MLS player. They drew it out. So they drew. The the four teams were in. Okay. They had the pairings already decided. What they had to decide is what teams were going to host. Javi Moreno is his name. Is it Javi Moreno? Now, I'm, I'm, I don't want to misspeak. My, my, it's late Friday, and my mind is, is, is escaping me right now. Um, but they pulled out the uh, four lottery balls out of the pot to decide the order of who plays what matches at home. Okay. Um, or which team would, no, this was the order to who would play the final. So first came out, uh, first one to come out was Sacramento Republic. That means they're not hosting any matches the rest of the way. Okay. Uh, they were the one team that has no chance of hosting. Next, out came New York Red Bulls. So New York Red Bulls is going away in the semifinals and can only host the U.S. Open Cup final if they meet Sacramento Republic. So it requires them and Sacramento Republic to each win their respective semifinals. Uh, the next team to come out was it was uh, the Kansas, Sporting Kansas City. So Sporting Kansas City host. Their opponent, which was already determined in a previous draw, Sacramento Republic. And that means that Orlando City will host the semifinal. And if they win, they host the final. Look for Orlando City. to. It's going to be hard to get them out of this one. I think the Red Bulls also have a very good opportunity to win this competition. I think the winner of the Red Bulls-Orlando City tie is going to win the U.S. Open Cup this year. Red Bull fans want a trophy. Their team has been good for a long time now. Okay? And I know they don't draw good crowds. I know that they're pretty irrelevant in the New York sports scene. At least many would say so. Um, but they still have a, a diehard core fan base. And again, this is who needs to be catered to from the league, in my opinion. But not just from the league, from the clubs, in my opinion. You're going to grow your club by growing that core fan base. It's not by pulling in baseball fans or by pulling in uh, Real Madrid fans or Barcelona fans, okay? 
they've been trying that for 25 years. That doesn't work. Grow the audience you have by treating them right, okay? Build teams that win. Build a game day, a match day experience that makes people want to come back. And little by little, you get that organic growth. It's not the same growth you get from signing a Gareth Bale or signing a Chicharito. No, that's that's that kind of stuff is very um, transient. Okay, it's very transitional. Okay, it's here for a little while, but that wears out quick. You want to build a fan base that is gonna last for generations. I'm looking at people my age now, approaching our forties. Okay, that remember the first MLS season. A lot of us don't identify that tightly with Major League Soccer clubs, okay? Myself included. I tried. I tried. And it never happened. I just couldn't, you know, for different reasons, I just couldn't get that emotional attachment to my local club. Okay? Um, I happen to like the league, though, obviously, because I come on here and I talk about it. My son watches this league and I someday he's going to pick a team that he likes and it doesn't have to be New England because we live here this is this is a new world okay there we're moving into a streaming age a real streaming age where Apple TV will have the entire league for 10 years okay he will be 6 he'll be 17 when that Apple TV contract ex- expires if he wants to support Minnesota United, he can watch them every single week on on Apple TV. If he wants to support FC Cincinnati, he can do that. If he wants to support New York City FC because that's where he saw his first game, that decision's gonna be all his. But he's gonna be a fan of this league. He and the 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 kids he plays with. Okay. And then the next generation will have deeper roots in this league. And that's how you grow this league. The problem is. They're trying to grow this game and put it on the level of the NFL, Major League Baseball especially, who have over 100 years in the sports scene, in the culture here in this country. We need to keep the focus on our game. Yeah, you can take what works from those leagues, okay? But look, our sport is on the cutting edge. We're the ones breaking into streaming. ESPN Plus is carried in large part by soccer content. Paramount Plus is carried in large part by soccer content, by the UEFA Champions League, and uh, by CONCACAF qualifiers, by the Brasileirão, the Serie A, you name it, okay? That is how you gain fans. So, the Next round of fixtures in the U.S. Open Cup come later in July when we get there. I will cover it. Let's get into Major League Soccer now as I am already seeing that Philadelphia have gone up 1-0. They're playing already. They're up 1-0 on D.C. United. Two teams I'm going to see in about three weeks when I hit the road. Again, I'm excited about Philadelphia have an early one. They go ahead on a goal from Alejandro Bedoya. So, Let's move now to last week. I'm going to run down the results, and then we're going to go into uh, the, the table, and we're going to go into Liga Mekis, which k- kicked off last week as well, and finish, like I said, with the women's Euro. Now, last week's results in Major League Soccer, starting last Saturday. Actually, I read these results to you in the last episode, so I don't need to go to that. 
We'll go to Sunday's July 3rd matchup. The match that my son and I were at. New York City FC 2, Atlanta United 2. I'm going to say from watching this up close and personal, I enjoyed this match very much. No, there were not a lot of people there. There was a crowd of about 17,000. It was a holiday weekend. That needs to be taken into account. People go away. People go to the beach. People go to cookouts. Heck, uh, you know, a large, por <laughs> a good chunk of this country was stranded in airports last weekend. Okay. Um, I drove around New York City on Sunday and the streets were quite quiet for New York City standards. Okay. There's plenty of pedestrians, but very few cars on the road. I, and you'll see in the film, drove through Times Square like, like it was nothing. Okay. Um, I drove, I went from Times Square to the Brooklyn Bridge back <laughs> to the Bronx in all in under an hour. It was a real easy driving in New York City last week. Um, the crowd was small, but the, again, New York City has a core fan base, okay? And they're not Manchester City fans that that are supporting these teams because this team because they're uh, Man City light, like like uh, you know some fans will call them. Okay, these are football fans that identify with this club, this club that now has a championship. Who else in New York sports has a championship? This decade. Well, decade just started. Okay, the Giants won a Super Bowl and the Yankees won a World Series last decade, in the last 10 years. New York City FC have won, have come into this league and won a championship before the Red Bulls. Okay, they have the fans that don't identify with the Red Bulls, that identify with New York. And yes, they look like Manchester City, and you know that is what it is. Um, it's the City Football Group, okay? They, New York is just one of six or seven sister clubs around the world, okay? Um, but they're all successful. If you notice, last year City Football Group won the Premier League with Manchester City, won the Indian League with Mumbai City, won the uh, the Hyundai A League with Melbourne City, and won Major League Soccer with. New York City FC. Okay, so, um, again, they have passionate fans, okay? That that bleacher section out there in left field, in right field, excuse me, um, right, left, hey, I'm not a base, I'm not a good enough baseball guy. Uh, uh, out there behind the goal, <laughs> the, the, the bleacher section that's located directly behind the, the goal uh, is where the, the third rail we're watching from. And um, they were on their feet the whole match. They were singing. They were, they were they were they were chanting. They have a good fan base. Um, I was impressed with New York City FC. Okay, yeah, it's not perfect. It's not an ideal situation. But when they get in a stadium, and I said in the movie that they will do it someday. When they get in a stadium, whether it's it's it, you know, it's the Harlem River Project or it's on Randall's Island or or wherever they find in Queens. Wherever they find a home, okay? Wherever they find their permanent home. In a 20,000-seat stadium or 30,000-seat stadium even, that stadium is going to be rocking, okay? That stadium will be rocking, and that fan base is going to grow um, when they get a permanent home. But I, I tie together the, <laughs> the history of, of teams that have played 
soccer teams, football teams that have played games and called Yankee Stadium home in the last century. Um, Yankee Stadium is is a big venue. It's a massive stadium for a baseball park. It is enormous. Okay. Um, it's hard to fill that, obviously. But and it's also the way it's shaped is not not suited. You know, it's not ideal because there are sections of the stadium that have to be closed off because you can't see anything from them. Um, there's sections of the uh, of the stadium where the seats are facing away from uh, from the pitch. It's just the reality of playing football in a baseball park. But there still is a little bit of mystique to it. And um, New York, both New York City, and I know Atlanta United has struggled this year, but both teams. Uh, play some good football. It was a good football match to watch, especially up close and personal. Um, New York City F- uh, uh, NYCFC fans verbalized to me the frustration they feel with their back line right now and how easily they're giving up goals and they feel like they're bleeding points. Um, they should be h- higher than they are. They should have more points than they do. And you could see where their frustration come from because going forward, they do so many good things well, but then they let you know, they let the other teams stick around and they let the other team steal points late. Um, you know, there's the talk of the, the match earlier with Cincinnati a few weeks ago. Same kind of thing, a crazy 4-4 draw. This one was a 2-2 draw. Good to see Joseph Martinez playing for Atlanta United again. I thought he, he had a really good game for a guy coming back off injury. He had scored midweek against the Red Bulls, and now he scores at the weekend against NYCFC. And um, how about Dom Dwyer, a, a name that 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 Major League Soccer fans know, uh, still around, still making a difference. He gets the equalizer five minutes from time for Atlanta United. 2-2 is the result. Columbus Crew and Philadelphia Union play to a nil-nil draw in Columbus, while New England Revolution and FC Cincinnati draw 2-2 as well at Gillette Stadium. Minnesota United pick up. A big uh, 3-2 victory at home against Real Salt Lake in a Western Conference matchup. Sporting Kansas City continue to struggle this season, and they are a club, again, much like Atlanta United. They're a good club with solid support. Uh, They do a lot of things right, but this year they are struggling. Now you can see that all of their hope is in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, This game with the New York Red Bulls (laughs) saw a, a long lightning delay. Uh, I believe at halftime, because um, I I got home I got home I got back to my hotel from the NYCFC match and we threw it on and they weren't playing and I had to go on Twitter to find out they were in a weather delay. Uh, they did come back and finally play the match and New York Red Bulls do get a winner. Uh, they end up winning this one. They get a goal from Aaron Long in the 53rd after the long lightning delay. Three big points for New York Red Bulls as they look. Um, to continue on both fronts, both the U.S. Open Cup and on Major League Soccer. They're in the push for the top of the Eastern Conference. They're a little bit back for the Supporters' Shield, but this is Major League Soccer, and teams drop points, and you can make up points in no time in Major League Soccer. And really, the season from here forward is going to be a lot of fun. This is when the races now start to heat up, and we start to look towards the postseason, which is going to be here before you know it. The the month uh, months of July and August go quickly. September, it goes quickly. And then in the beginning of October, you have decision day. So this is all going to come together very, very quickly this season. Houston Dynamo hosting Charlotte FC. 
at BBVA Stadium, and Houston Dynamo continue their struggles. Makes you wonder how much uh, Hector Herrera, who is joining them now, he's eligible to play this week. I think he's going to play this weekend. Um, he had a huge reception this earlier this week, of course, after this match. But at home, they're beaten by the expansion. Charlotte FC, 2-1. to one. Uh, In Nashville, N Nashville FC and the Portland Timbers draw 2-2 two -two in front of a huge crowd. A uh, very raucous crowd, a very passionate crowd. Nashville is a hotbed, and I said, I think I said this last time. I gotta, I gotta get Nashville on the summer stadium tour for 2023. I gotta get to Nashville next season. Although next season, next summer, there's also a Concacaf Gold Cup, so I may, I may incorporate the Gold Cup into the stadium tour next season. We'll see what happens. And then out in California, late uh, Sunday night, San Jose Quakes to Chicago Fire one. Let's look at the table then. And actually, before we look at the table, we have games from the actual 4th of July. Happy Independence Day, if I didn't say it last week. Uh, Monday, the 4th of July, Independence Day in Florida. Orlando City, 3. DC United, 5. In the highest scoring match of the weekend, DC United getting much needed. 3 points. Their fans are still hopeful that something can turn around this season. Um, it's been a long time time since DC United were near the top of the table, since DC United were pushing to make a run in the postseason, were pushing for trophies. They are the league's original powerhouse. They are the league's original dynasty. They've got to get things right down there in the nation's capital. Uh, Colorado Rapids hosting Austin FC. Colorado 2, Austin 3, and Austin FC just having a dream sophomore season right now as they continue to keep pace and try to uh, catch LAFC in the Western Conference and Supporter Shield race. FC Dallas versus Inter Miami. This one finishes 1-1. And LA Galaxy win 4-0 on Monday night over uh, Montreal. I want to call them the impact. And um, they get a better performance. Uh, man of the match was actually Ryan Ravelson, who who played in the in the match against Sacramento, which didn't go their way. But you got a goal from Chicharito in the eighth minute. That makes a difference. Jovalic gets a one in the 45th plus four from the spot. And then Ravelson scores two, 60th and 79th. And the Galaxy take all three points. They're playing later tonight. This I'm going to have the record button going. Uh, they're playing later tonight against uh, LAFC. So it is El Trafico late night Friday night. Um, if you're watching this when it streams at a, about 9 p.m. on Friday night, once this is over, switch over to ESPN Plus and catch El Trafico. Okay, now. Uh, this weekend's match, it's rivalry weekend in Major League Soccer. I've got the fixture list down there on the bottom ticker. But we've got Philadelphia hosting D.C. United. That one's already underway. Last check, Philadelphia were winning 1-0. At 10 p.m. tonight, El Trafico, LAFC hosting LA Galaxy. And at 10.30, uh, Vancouver hosting Minnesota tomorrow. Uh, 1 o'clock Kickoff time again at Yankee Stadium, NYCFC versus New England Revolution. I purposely put the premiere of, of my video on the PTB Media Network's uh, YouTube page 
to coincide with the end of this match. So after you watch NYCFC New England, go to the PTB Media Network YouTube page. It's only going to air there. I'm not going to stream it on Twitter. It's not going to go on Facebook. Only on my YouTube page and watch my film. Okay. Again, right there. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the little bell next to it so you get alerted. Okay. It's going to alert you five minutes before it, it, it premieres. 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific. Tomorrow, Sunday, July the 9th. Okay. My film will drop. Okay. And then at, later in the afternoon, 4.30 Eastern, 1.30 Pacific, it is the Cascadia Derby. Seattle Sounders, Portland Timbers in Seattle. Huge crowd, I'm sure. Going to be awesome. I'm going to definitely keep an eye to this one. Uh, and then you got the night games. You've got Atlanta United hosting Austin FC. You've got Charlotte FC hosting Nashville. Montreal hosting Sporting Kansas City. Cincinnati taking on the Red Bulls. Toronto taking on San Jose. Chicago taking on Columbus. That's an old rivalry that goes back, way back to Chicago entering the league in the league's third season. Uh, you've got or you got a Florida Classico, Derby, whatever you want to call it. Orlando versus Inter Miami. A Texas Classico between Houston and FC Dallas. And the Rocky Mountain Cup between Real Salt Lake and Colorado Rapids. Closes out Saturday's action in Major League Soccer. And then... Uh, Tuesday, July the 12th, another Texas Derby when Austin hosts Houston Dynamo. That is Major League Soccer. Let's look at the table really quickly so we can get into Liga Mekis. Philadelphia Union, of course, they're ahead right now. Right now, sit top of the Eastern Conference with the three points uh, they're holding on to right now. But again, they're, they're in action as we speak. 19 played, 33 points. New York Red Bulls, 32 points from 19. Montreal, 29 points from 18 matches. New York City FC, 29 points from 17 matches. New York City FC, two matches in hand there. FC Cincinnati having their best season to date in Major League Soccer. And I'm gonna see them on I'm gonna see them on August the 7th, I believe, uh, when they when they host. Philadelphia Union. So I'm going to see Philadelphia Union twice in the next month or so. FC Cincinnati are fifth, 25 points from 18 matches. Orlando City, sixth on the same 25 points. And New England Revolution also on 25 points, holding on to that last playoff spot in seventh place. Charlotte FC, only two back of that playoff spot. They have 23. Enter Miami, 22. They're, they're within a game as well. They're within one win. And they have a match in hand on New England. Um, as does Columbus and Atlanta United. Columbus has 22 points. Atlanta, 20. Season is far from over for Atlanta United. Do not count this team out. I know it has not gone well, but do not count this team out. There is a lot of football still to play. All right. There is still for Atlanta is actually right at the halfway point of the season right now. They have the whole second half of the season to go. And again, they're only Five points from the playoff spot right now. Toronto, 18 points in 12th place. And Insigne is starting up. So they're going to get better as well. DC United climbs out of the basement. They have 17 points, as does Chicago Fire. In the West, LAFC, 36 points, still leading. But now only two points better than Austin FC. Real Salt Lake is 
five back of Austin with 29 points. All three of those teams have 18 matches played. LA Galaxy in fourth with 27 from 17 matches. FC Dallas fifth with 27 as well, as is Nashville SC. What are they doing in the West? Well, when Las Vegas comes into the league, um, <laughs> oh, St. Louis. Whenever the next team comes into the league, I think Nashville moves to the East. Uh, their travel budget must be astronomical. What a year to be a team on the Eastern half of the United States playing in uh in the western conference and having to log all those air miles but they've got 27 points there in sixth the Concacaf champions seattle sounders are into the playoff spots now they have 26 points from 17 matches two better than minnesota who have 24 from 18 as do vancouver whitecaps portland timbers have 23 points from 19 matches houston dynamo 21 points from 18 and then in the bottom, you have Colorado with 19 points, San Jose with 18, and Sporting Kansas City right now bringing up the rear. Yes, bottom of the entire league, SKC. This is not where this club belongs, but that's where they find themselves right now. 16 points, bottom, 28th place in the league, the Supporters' Shield race right now. It is a four-team race right now as we speak, but again, New York City with with matches in hand can prop them into this race as well. Far from over. There's a there is, I say realistically, seven teams uh, that can re realistically eye this prize. LAFC is top, thirty six points. Austin is second of thirty four. Philadelphia thirty three. Red Bulls thirty two. Montreal and NYCFC and Real Salt Lake with twenty nine, and even LA Galaxy with twenty seven. In a match in hand, uh, they are nine points back. That's not a lot in Major League Soccer with half the season still to play and with matches in hand. All right, the player stats in the league this week. And we look at the – Jesus Ferreira leads the scoring race. He's got 10 goals. Same as Sebastian Driussi and Tati Castellanos, all on 10 goals. Hani Mukhtar and Tisharis Funtas have nine, as does Jeremy Ebuisie and Brandon Vasquez, Jesus Jimenez, Leonardo Campana, Paul Ariola, Lewis Morgan, all with eight goals. So again, you got 11 players separated by two goals. This will be a race to watch for the rest of the way. Okay. We're going to take a real short break here. When I come back, we're going to get into Liga MX. This is the Parking the Bus podcast. Follow me on Twitter. You see my handle right there on the screen. It's at Mike Agustino. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. Follow the show on Twitter and on Instagram at PTB underscore media. And if you haven't already, go over to the, to the YouTube channel and subscribe so you can watch the film when it drops Saturday. I'll eventually also put it up on www.parkingthebusmedia.com. I will be right back.
welcome back to Parking the Bus. Let's go to Mexico now. And I got an update actually on Philadelphia and DC United. And it's not good news if you're a DC United fan. It is now 4 0 Philadelphia Union in the 42nd minute. 4 0 in the first half. My heart goes out to the DC United supporters, let me tell you. Let's go to Liga. Emekis and see what went down in round one of this league. And um, I never ended up getting around to covering this uh, last last season uh, because things just got so busy and so crazy. But Atlas pulled off the feat of winning back-to-back titles. They are B-Campion uh, for the first time in decades. Mexico crowns a B-Campion. And... Atlas were the number two seed. Okay, they beat they beat Pachuca in the final after beating America in the semifinal. Sorry, after America were eliminated by Pachuca. I I forgive me, I can't remember anymore. But uh, yes, Atlas eliminated Tigres in the semifinals. Now I remember um, with a penalty kick very late. Aldo Rocha uh, finished it in stoppage time, which put them through, and then. Atlas win the title in the final over Pachuca. And um, they went back-to-back after going, I forget how, 60-something years without a title. They went back-to-back titles. So uh, automatically entered in the Campeones Cup, or whatever it's called, where they'll play against New York City FC some point this summer uh, very soon. But um, a very a very strong Atlas team. They came kind of out of nowhere to become strong so quickly. But let's take a look at the Apertura as it stands. All right. It was week one last week. Got kicked off last Friday, July the 1st. Mezatlan hosting Puebla. And it did not go well for the home side as Puebla come in and win 4-2 to on the road at Mezatlan. Uh, goals in this one. Okay. You got... Bello and Lopez scoring for Mazatlan, while Reyes, Aristigueta, Veragan, and Escoto all tally for Puebla. Fernando Aristigueta was the man of the match on this one on FOTMOB. They got him at an 8.3. That was Friday's match. Saturday, a match I watched. My son and I watched this one in the hotel room. Uh, Chivas versus Juarez, and it was hard to stay awake in this one. Uh, good for Juarez to go on the road, to go to Akron Stadium and come away with the point. Chivas look unimpressive, as usual. Um, they can blame the manager all they want. They can blame all these different things. Um, as you know, I do not, if you've seen the show before, I do not agree with what Chivas stand for. The Mexican-only policy. It doesn't just handicap the team on the pitch. It's Downright xenophobic. And you know what? And the people in this country, in the United States, and I've said this before, and I don't want to talk about this anymore, but so many of the people that support Chivas, diehard Chivas fans in this country, in the United States, north of the border, in El Norte, okay? Whether they're in California, in Texas, in Georgia, in Illinois, in New York, wherever they're living, these Chivas fans believe in this policy. But if LAFC or FC Dallas or New York Red Bulls or Houston Dynamo 
came out with this policy where you would only sign American players. And if you were Mexican-American, you had to renounce your Mexican eligibility to play for Mexico in order to sign with the team. They would be ba they would be protesting this these teams to no end. And rightfully so. If an American team does that, I agree they should be protested. But when it's Chivas and it's La Raza, it's okay. I say this and they tell me I don't understand. I'm not I'm not Mexican. I'm not La Raza. But again, you cannot have one set of beliefs here and one set of beliefs here and think that they don't clash. Therefore, I cannot get behind Chivas. I cannot understand any Mexican-American supporting Chivas. I don't care if your great-grandfather was, was a Chivas fan. If my club, if Benfica came down with a policy tomorrow that said Portuguese players only, and if you're a dual national, if you're a dual citizen, as I am, or if you're you're gonna renounce your eligibility for your other your the other half of your dual citizenship in order to play. One, I wouldn't support the team because they would suck. <laughs> okay, they would they would not be competitive, not to win the league. And two, it's not right. I would I would protest that and I would I would do something I would I would the first thing I would do is I would not pay membership fees anymore. That's the first thing I would do. My membership would I would I would pull it and I would not support. I would not have this card right here. Okay, see this? I am a member of the club. I would not have that if my club had the policy that Chivas has about foreign players. So I'm glad they did not win. And I'm sorry to Chivas supporters, but maybe think a little bit more. I'm not saying to go to stop supporting your team or to stop. Maybe I'm saying stop support. I'm not saying to go support another team. I'm saying to push for a change within your club. This is not right. Nikaksa lose at home 3-1. to one. Toluca go in there and get all three points. Great start for Toluca. Tigres are beaten at home as well at El Volcan. Uh, they lose two to three to Cruz Azul. Uh, well, let's look at the lineups here because these are two of the bigger teams in the league. Uh, interestingly enough, Miguel Ortega gets the start for Tigres in goal. Uh, Aquino, Diego Reyes, Linchovsky, and Angulo get the start across the back. While Vigon, Pizarro, and Cordova play in the midfield behind the attacking. Trio of Fulgencio, Tauvin, and my favorite player in Liga MX. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Frenchman. I'm talking about Pierre, uh, André Pierre Gignac, okay? Uh, the former number 10 for the French national team, former West Ham, former Marseille uh, star. He has been phenomenal since joining Tigres years ago now. He's been the best player in CONCACAF for many years. And he can, and he's nearly, he nearly carried Tigres to the final in the Clausura playoffs last season. Okay, he had nearly done it until Aldo Rocha of Atlas converted a penalty kick in the 96th or 97th minute to propel Atlas past Tigres. He nearly carried them to another final. This guy is legit. This guy is a legend in Mexican uh, league context, and. Um, 
yeah, he uh, it, it's it's too bad that people haven't given this league a chance. And I, sh you know, English-speaking people in this country haven't given this league enough of a chance because they're missing out on some real good football, some real good performances. This is the number one watched football league in America, in the United States, in America, in Los Estados Unidos. Whether it's on Univision, whether it's on uh, Fox Sports Español, whether it's on Galavision, whether it's on 2DNA, wherever you get it, okay, wherever Liga Mekis airs. The TV ratings beat Major League Soccer, but but that's nothing to to um, to hang your head on because they beat Bundesliga. Liga Mekis ratings beat the Premier League almost every week when they're head to head. Okay, this league is worth watching. Um, for Cruz Azul, Roca gets the start. Uh, in goal, Escobar, Dominguez, Abraham, and Majorga across the back. In midfield, a midfield three with Eric Lira uh, holding it down in the anchor. Angel Romero is the right center back with Rafael Baca playing as the left center back. Up front, you have Tabo Jimenez and Antunia to, uh, in, the, in the trio of attack there. And you got goals in this one from, from Baca Romero. And Jimenez wins it for Los Cimenteros for Cruz Azul in the 90th plus three from the penalty spot. Tauvin and Cordova pulled uh, tallies for Tigres. And that is a great start for Cruz Azul. And in another match of massive clubs at the Azteca, America versus the champions Atlas. And I suppose if you're Medica, you're going to be happy with this result. It's a nil-nil draw, but it's against the champions. And looking at some of the information here, uh, it was at the Azteca, like I said. I'll look at these lineups real quick. A lot of uh, This is the first match of the season, all right? It's a short preseason. That goes with Memo Ochoa in goal. Miguel Layun is the right back. Emilio Lara and... Sebastian Caceres, the center backs with Luis Fuentes as the left back, the double pivot in midfield, Jonathan Dos Santos and Pedro Aquino, uh, the attacking midfielders, Zendejas down the right, that's Alex Zendejas, the Mexican, uh, in the number 10 spot, it's Diego Valdez, and down the left is Roger Martinez with Roman Martinez, the number 19 Sorry, the 19-year-old wearing number 200 on his back gets the start at striker. For the champions, coached by Diego Coca, uh, you've got in goal Camilo Vargas. You've got five across the back. This is the, the formation that won them the title. All right, you've got Jose Abella as the right wing back. You've got Anibal Chala as the left wing back. And then Santa Maria, Nervo, and Aguilera are the three center backs. Aldo Rocha is the is the anchor in midfield. Again, one of the top players. He's being talked about for a Mexican national team now. Uh, Aldo Rocha, 29 years old. He uh, one of the best players in Liga Mekis last season. Helped big part of Atlas winning the back to back titles, winning both the Apertura and the Clausura in 2021. Uh, in 21-22, excuse me. Um, he's got to his left, 
Luis Reyes, and to his right, he's got Edgar Zalvidar, Zaldivar, excuse me, and Quinones and Herrera start in the attack. Again, two good sides, two sides that expect to be in the top four of the league, that expect to get that by to avoid the repechaje, to avoid the wild card playoffs, if you want to call them that, the reclassification. Um, Atlas are going to be happy with a point at the Azteca, and I think America are going to be happy to get a point off the champs. And then Sunday, UNAM uh, Pumas won one against Cholos of Tijuana. Atletico San Luis are beaten at home one to two by Leon. Leon uh, come in with goals from Lucas Diorio and from Federico Martinez. Uh, Leon are another team that have been near the top for, for a while now. They're always near the top. They're in the semifinals a lot of seasons. And now they're coached by my guy. One of my favorites. I was following him at Independiente del Valle in, Uru in Ecuador the last season and a half. He led them to their first ever Ecuadorian title. He's a, You can tell by my enthusiasm. He's originally out of... The Benfica program, okay, he was Benfica's B team coach. He was a youth coach at the club. Left a year and a half ago or so to go to Ecuador to to manage Independiente del Valle. He took them to the title, their first title ever. Um, he left now uh, in between the two seasons, and he took over at Leon in Mexico. So I'm going to be a little bit biased towards Leon, I got to admit. Uh, because I am a Renato Paiva guy. And he gets he gets the season started right with a 2-1 win on the road at Atletico San Luis. Congratulations to Renato Paiva. Congratulations to Leon on three points. And then Santos Laguna at home against Monterrey. And Rayados put up a good fight. But ultimately in a seven-goal thriller, it is a 4-3 win for Santos Laguna. While Monday, July 4th, Pachuca beat Carretero 2-0 at home at the Estadio Hidalgo. Now, let's look at the table here. In Liga MX, Puebla, Toluca, Pachuca, Santos, Cruz Azul, León. And for now, Tigres with three points. Tigres lost last week, but they're ahead in their match that's going on right now. I'll update you in just a minute. Cholos, uh, Pumas, Atlas, Chivas, América, and Juárez. With one point, and then you got Monterrey, San Luis, and Nicax. Sorry, Monterrey, San Luis, Nicaxa, Querétaro, and Mezatlan, uh, all with zero points. Early uh, player, uh, early player leaders. The top goal scorer right now, no surprise. He's been one of the top ones for several seasons. It's Monterrey's Rogelio Funes Mori. Yes, another Benfica guy. <laughs> uh, he's got two goals, and then you got a whole slew of guys with one goal behind him. Okay, let's look at the match right now. Tigres are up 1-0 at Mezatlan. And guess who? Andre Pierre Gignac with the goal in the seventh minute. So Miguel Herrera's Tigres take the lead, looking to get their first points of the season. Let's go to women's Euro action before we say goodbye. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna have more episodes here because I have to keep up with this competition, the women's Euro. I, it deserves to be at the forefront of this show. 
Um, of course, I'm going to say on the outset right now that this is going to come at the expense of the CONCACAF W Championship and the women's uh, Copa, Copa America Femenile, Femenina, whatever they're calling it. Um, I just can't cover all. I only have so much bandwidth for myself. Okay, I have two jobs. I have <laughs> I have a family. I can't watch football all day, every day. Otherwise, I would love if I could. I can't. This is the competition in which I, I'm most familiar with players. This is the competition where I'm more familiar with teams. So this is the competition I'm going to cover. It is not Euro Sonobri. I think I've done enough in the two years now of doing this podcast to show that I, I give a lot of love to football in many different parts of the world. But we're going to start with Euro 2022 women's. Interestingly enough, UEFA decided to rebrand this Euro 2022. And a year ago with the men's, they kept the Euro 2020 brand. This was supposed to be played last year. It was postponed for a year to, to make room for the men's tournament last year, essentially. So that UEFA did not run two uh, Euros in the same in the same summer. So it gives the spotlight to the women as well. It does save the spotlight for them. Um, so here they are now in the midst. They're almost done with World Cup qualifying. And they have to change gears and go into this Euro. This is difficult. But the ma the competition kicked off, okay, on Thursday, on Wednesday, excuse me, Wednesday, July the 6th. England, the host nation versus Austria. This match was played at Old Trafford. Yes, Old Trafford in front of 68,871. Great, great turnout. I'm assuming that's a record. I don't know. I'll, I'll find out for sure. But I assume that that is a record turnout for a women's Euro match. Congratulations to, obviously, the fans of the women's game in England, the three Lionesses fans. Um, England, though, they get on the board early. Let's look at the lineups here. Okay. Um, and before I get into this, uh, the I've been asked, who am I watching in this tournament? Okay. Um, you always watch the host, England. Not only are they the host, they're also a good team. They were in the semifinals of the World Cup in 2019. So they are a strong team, okay? And and they managed to pry the, the manager from the World Cup finalist, the Netherlands, okay? So uh, they've got a Dutch manager now, England does, okay? Her name is Serena Wiegman. And she is the manager of England now. She was managing the Netherlands at the World Cup in 2019. Took them all the way to the final. Uh, now she's hoping to bring home the title, to bring home the silverware for the three lionesses. Um, again, <laughs> they want the English to sing It's Coming Home. It's got to come home at some point. England have a very good team, though. They're playing a 4-2-3-1. In goal, they got Manchester United's Mary Earps. Across the back, they've got the right back is Barcelona's Lucy Bronze. Chelsea's Millie Bright and Arsenal's Leah Williamson partner up in the center of defense. While Rachel Daly of Houston Dash here in the, in the National Women's Soccer League here in the United States is the starting left back. Double pivot in midfield for England. And it is Manchester City's Kira Walsh teaming up with her Manchester City teammate, Georgia Stanway. Three attacking midfielders in front of them, okay? And, and this is a powerful lineup. You've got, Be you've got Beth Mead of Arsenal 
on the right. You've got Lauren Hemp of Manchester City on the left. And you've got Chelsea's Fran Kirby, who, if I'm not mistaken, is the all-time caps leader for this team. Double-checking this for you. I'm double-checking on this. Um, she has how many caps here? She has, oh, maybe not. Okay, I'm confusing her with someone else. She has 49 caps and 13 goals. I'm confusing her with somebody else. And then Chelsea's, is it Chelsea? No, it's, sorry. It is Manchester City's Ellen White, excuse me. Um, England is a team I'm watching very closely. Ellen White, uh, Fran Kirby, okay, the goal scorer here, uh, Beth Mead, all big-name players. Okay, all play at big clubs. Manchester City and Chelsea are two of the best women's football clubs on the planet. Okay, and they have their fair share of players from that team. Okay, I'm watching them. Who else am I watching? I'm watching France. France is so talented. Um, if you don't know by now, Olympic Lyon are, are just a beast in women's football. Okay, the French League is very, very good. And they're, the French team is very, very good. And um, don't let their disappointment from World Cup 2019, you know, sour you on them. They're still very, very good. Who else is very good? Spain is very good. I watched them today. I'll talk about them in a few moments. But Spain also a very, very good team. Um, however, they have been hit by the injury bug. And it's it's going to hurt Spain. Uh, Jessica Huertas and, and their star, their star Alexia are out of the competition. Alexia was watching today. She's on the bench in crutches. Alexia Puteas is out. That is maybe the best player in the world. And this tournament has been robbed of the opportunity to see her play. So I'm disappointed about that. Norway are also a team to watch now. They got Ada Haderberg in the, back in the national team. And I'll talk about her as the tournament goes on, I'm sure. But she's somebody I really, really respect. Um, not just as a footballer, but it's someone who really stands up to what she believes in. Um, we had the, the, dare I go into this realm, um, because the mob may, may come after me, but we had the, you know, the, the, how do you, or we had the equal pay, you know, crisis, if you will, or struggle here in the United States where the women were fighting for equal pay. A lot of them said a lot of things. Very few of them actually sat out to make a statement. Ada Hagerberg sat out for years from her national team. She missed World Cups. She missed Euros. She missed Olympics to make her point that the women uh, needed equal pay in Norway. She's back now. Um, I'm not going to pretend to know the ins and outs of, of what the pay system is for the Norwegian women's or men's team. But she's back. That has to be a good sign because this is someone who, when she believes in something, she, she stands and she stands firmly for it. And for that, I respect, I respect her so much. Uh, but I am happy to see her back in this tournament, back in international football. England pick up a win on a goal from, from Meade. Uh, in the 16th minute, unable really to get on the score, uh, unable to get on the score sheet. 
uh, throughout the rest of the 90 minutes, it could have been some first game jitters. There's a lot, you know, these tournaments are long. I like that this is a 16 team tournament. This reminds me of the old Euro that I loved, you know, in the 2000s and in the 2010s uh, prior to 2016 and in the 90s when it was from 96 to to 2012 when this was a 16 team when when the men's was a 16 team tournament and it feels like every group has a potential final in it this group is no different you have England and Norway and in the same group group B you have Spain and Germany in the same group group C you have the Netherlands and Sweden in the same group and in group uh, D, you have France and Italy in the same group. I say three out of the four of these groups have a potential final in the group where the two teams, because again, I like the way it breaks down with 16 teams, four groups of four, eight advance. And now you don't see a team from your group again until the final. You split off. And you used to see it quite a bit where you'd have a first-round matchup and then you'd have a rematch in the final uh, just to build the tension some more. It makes the group stage a lot more exciting. It makes the group, you know, it's not uncommon to get a group of death, so to speak, where you get four, three teams or even four that can all realistically advance. And not because three out of the four will advance, but because there's that much equilibrium that much parity in the group uh, england get off you know they, they, it's the only close spoiler it's the only close match of the tournament so far but england do win one nil um and then yesterday we had norway taking on northern ireland northern ireland debuting in major tournaments and um they met a machine known as the the norwegian women's national team Goals from Blackstad, Monium Hansen from the penalty spot. Uh, that's Caroline Graham Hansen. And if you watch the year, the World Cup in 2019, you remember she was a very good player, the number 10 for for Norway. And then Reiten uh, would score in the 54th. Guro Reiten, that is. Uh, there's an there's an assist in here for Ada Haderberg on the second goal to Frida Manum. Uh, Wrighton also had an assist of her own on Julie Blackstat's 10th uh, minute goal. Very, very strong, strong Norwegian team. I can't wait to see Norway versus England. Um, that's Group A. In Group B, they played today, and I really, I got to watch these in live action today, and I enjoyed them thoroughly. Yes, they were lopsided results, but I enjoyed them thoroughly. Uh, first was Spain versus Finland. And I, I get excited to see Spain. I like the way they play. They got a lot of Barcelona players. I like the way they play. Um, just a lot of good things coming out of Spain in women's football right now. Uh, good coaching, good tactics, good team play. Yeah, they lost their star, two of their star players. I, I think I called her Jessica Huerta. It's Jennifer Hermosa is who, who I meant to say before. Um, let's take a look at Spain here. And um, let's look at their lineup okay uh spain came out in a 4-3-3 paños in goal batle paredes leon and ohabi uh across the back 
and a lot of them wear their first names on their shirt. Layla is the name that Ohabi was wearing on her back. She's an, yet another player from Barcelona, the left back. Very, very good left back. Uh, she delivered a few great crosses today. Spain scored three goals on headers in this one. Paredes in the 26th. Bonmati in the 41st. Garcia in the 75th. Okay. And that, of course, uh, is... When I say Garcia, that is Lucia Garcia of Athletic Bilbao. Bonmati, Guijarro, and Irene are the three in the center of midfield with uh, Gar aforementioned Garcia. Partnering with Esther uh, Gonzalez, where's Esther on her back, and Mariona Caldente, Caldente, excuse me, uh, Catalan spelling. Uh, Mariona from Barcelona as well. Very strong team. Uh, they come in. They do fall behind, though. Uh, interestingly enough, you know, you have a team like Spain that likes to move the ball, likes to, to play in possession, likes to control the tempo of the game. And when you're up against that and you're overmatched the way Finland were, not a bad idea to just have your center back uh, play a perfectly weighted, driven ball, diagonal, into space, in behind. She caught. She caught. Uh, Spain a little unorganized and Linda Salstrom timed her run perfectly. She got in behind. She got a solid strike on the ball. Panos got her hands to it, but she couldn't keep it out. And in the first minute, Finland scored. This match was played at Milton Keynes. Okay. And they said during the match that it was a new record attendance for a women's Euro match that did not feature the host. And let's see if I have the attendance here. I do it was 16,819 at the MK Stadium in Milton Keynes. Excuse me. I thought I was going to sneeze there. Um, and uh, it was, a, again, it was almost silent when, when Finland took a lead. It was shock set in, even among Finland fans. But Spain show, you know, what they're made of. They show... That they do not panic. They do not worry. They know how to play this game. They, they're confident in their beliefs. Okay, so many Barcelona players, like I said. Um, Barcelona just had a season where it was not until the Champions League final that they lost their first match of the season. They had won every single match they had played up to that point. Every league, every Champions League, every Copa uh, League Cup match. They had won them all. The only one they did not win, unfortunately for them was the Champions League final. And again, like we said, Irene, Irene Paredes gets on the on the score sheet in the 26th minute on a header, uh, which was assisted by Mariona. And then Aitana Bobati will score in the 41st minute on an assist from Mapi Leon. Mapi Leon was selected as the, the player of the match or the star of the match. Uh, by FOTMOB, rated her at 9.4. That is a high rating on FOTMOB, a 9.4. Very, very good performance for the center back. Um, and they go into halftime up 2-1. And then in the 75th, Lucia Garcia, or Lucia Garcia uh, in Spanish, uh, would, would score on a header on another great ball by Mapi Leon that was delivered right to her. And then... In the 90th plus five, Mariona hits the penalty. It's four to one. A little unfair to a little, not unfair, but a little harsh 
to Finland. They played well, but not enough. And it ends up being a more lopsided result than they probably deserved. But in the nightcap, it was Germany taking on Denmark. This match was played at Brentford. Um, and they had 15,746 in the in attendance, just slightly under the the Spain Finland crowd. But it was all Germany in this one. There was a play in the first half where Germany hit the bar, hit the post, hit the other post in the span of about 15, 20 seconds. It was off the post, rebound, off the post, rebound, off the bar, rebound. But shortly thereafter, Lena Magul, another team I would I would watch if I were you, is Germany. One of the original powerhouses in this game as well. Um Remember, they won two World Cups back-to-back after the United States uh, won the 99 World Cup. 03 and 07, it was Germany who won. And uh, Magul basically steals the ball when Denmark are trying to play out of the back. Um, and then walks in, and she just buries – she blasts it past. Uh, she blasts it past Denmark's goalkeeper, Fromms, and it is 1-0 to Germany. They never look back. Um, but Denmark hang on for the rest of the first half. They go into halftime 1-0. Denmark make a few substitutions in the halftime, but then it's Bayern Munich's Leia Schuler, the best goal scorer in the women's Bundesliga this season. She scores on a brilliant header as well, um, across from Magul, and Schuler makes it 2-0. And then Germany run off three subs, four substitutions in the 60, oh, three in the 61st and one in the 69th. On comes Alex, uh, Alexandra Pop, Elena Letvin, Julie Brand, and Linda Dahlman, uh, replacing Lea Schuler, Sarah Dabritz, Clara Buell, and Le- Lena Magul, getting them fresh legs. They're going to have a showdown with Spain in this group stage. They're looking forward to that. They're thinking ahead in the 78th. Lena Latvin will make it 3-0. And then in the 86th, it's Alexandra Pop scoring on a header for, uh, assisted by Sydney Lohmann. And the, uh, the substitutes come in and make, it, make a, an impact. And that's all you can ask from your substitutes. It's Germany 4. It's Denmark 0. And... It is three points to the Germans. Here's the tables in Group A and B after match day one. Norway leads Group A with three points and a plus three goal difference. England second with three points and a plus one goal difference. Austria and Northern Ireland with no points. In Group B, Germany with a plus four goal difference and three points. Just one goal ahead of Spain with three points. Let's look at the fixtures now in the groups. Starting in Group A. Um, so in group A, they will play again on Monday, June 11th, Austria hosts Northern Ireland and England versus Norway. Yeah, I got the calendar circled three o'clock Eastern time on Monday, ESPN, ESPN plus England versus Norway. And then in group B, it's Tuesday, July 12th, Denmark versus Finland in a Scandinavian derby at noon Eastern. And then at three, it's the big one. The one I just talked about. It's Germany. It's Spain. It's going to be some cracking football. I can't wait till Tuesday afternoon to see Germany versus Spain. And uh, Euro 2022 is here. Women's Euro. 
Uh, I love this. Here are tomorrow's matchup, Saturday's matchup. I'll be back to, to recap this either Saturday night or Sunday night. But on Saturday at noon, it's my team. It's Portugal taking on Switzerland. I am psyched for this. Um, this, Yeah, we kind of crept into this tournament through the back door uh, due to geopolitics. But, but I do believe the only reason we didn't qualify in the playoff was because of coaching errors, uh, a really bad coaching error. But this, it's kind of a, a gift to get to play Switzerland first, okay? We play at noon. Uh, 3 Eastern tomorrow then is a <laughs> – it's an absolute cracker as well. Netherlands taking on Sweden. Two candidates for the title. Um, Portugal and Switzerland, if they have any hope of advancing, and these are long shots for both of them. They need the three points against each other uh, to have any chance and hope that maybe the Netherlands and Sweden play to a draw or that somebody loses. And maybe you can steal a point on one of them. But these are two fantastic matches for Saturday. I can't wait. I'll be back to talk about it either Saturday night or Sunday night. And don't forget, my video is dropping at the PTB Media Network's YouTube page. If you haven't already, subscribe now so that you get to see it when it drops 3 p.m. Eastern time. And then we, while you watch it, have ESPN Plus up and watch the Netherlands and Sweden. Uh so much football to watch on Saturday. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to have to have a couple screens. And um, I'm looking forward to it, though. So that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. If you're on the podcast feed, make sure you hit subscribe. Make sure you drop a five-star rating and a good comment. See if that can get this more visible to more people. All right. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the football this weekend. Again, uh, so much going on. Um, I'll be here to talk about it. I also got to get an episode done this weekend covering Copa Libertadores, Brasileiro, and the Argentine League as well to bring everybody up to speed because those are all heating up now. We uh, we have our quarterfinals decided in the Copa Libertadores. I'll bring it all to you this weekend. Uh, I've got to make the time. I've got to I've got to clear it out. And uh, I will do that this weekend. So I will see you soon. This is the Mr. Mike Agostinho. I'm signing off now. And I will see you next time here on the Parking the Bus podcast when we talk more football. And we got more to talk about. Um, again, enjoy the matches. Give the women's Euro your attention. It's worth it. Um, they play during the day. So you can watch the U.S. women play in the W Championship, on the CONCACAF W Championship at night. You can watch the Copa America Femenina when it starts at night. So uh, lots of football on television right now. Major League Soccer, a full day of action on Saturday. Make sure you catch it. Uh, Liga Mekis as well. Uh, whatever your flavor of football is, enjoy it this weekend, and I'll talk to you soon.